2: In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sitter and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. We got a lot of, of, uh, of gentlemen's clubs. Whoa. How do you like those? Oh, hey, everybody. Anything else, now. Yeah. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye. Where do you want it? On 1080 The Fan.
3: <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome in Hour 2 of The Center and the Saint. If you missed anything from Hour 1, uh, just go ahead and go to 1080thefan.com or social media streams, and you can find the podcast. It's very easy to find. You always put it on the old uh, Twitter, right, Will? Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. You can also find it on the Radio.com app or Radio.com on your computer. There's a lot of ways to listen to it. You can just go to your smart speaker and say, Hey, Alexa, make my ears bleed, and it'll automatically play our, play our podcast, which is oh, damn, fantastic. It's all you need to do. So the NFL draft happened this week, uh, and I don't think that it's a major surprise. still happening. You're right. First round, the NFL draft was this week. And I don't think it's a major surprise that we saw a record for the most draft picks by one conference ever. The SEC has a lot of NFL football players. Yeah, they do. Are you surprised? that they continue to break the record every year, year after year, it seemed. Because they broke the record, I think, twice in the first round, with 13, then 14 picks uh, in the first round as they just cruised
1: through. And then I think they ended up 15, didn't they? Um, That I don't know. What I was more surprised at, and I will get back to the SEC, was that you had three Pac-12 players selected in the first round, which was way more than I thought. <laughs> Is
3: it really?
1: Yes. In fact, I thought um, I thought Justin Herbert would be the only guy selected in the first round. Was well, pretty good. Good job, Pac-12. Yeah. So I think that was pretty good. But going back to the SEC, <laughs> no, of course this doesn't surprise me at all. That's where that that's the factory, baby. Uh, those are the dudes. Those are the guys that go to the top-notch programs where, yep. you know they're getting it, it is your best chance to get a really good player. You know, all these draft analysts and everything. You know, they they like to use as much analytics and as much experience and as much game tape as possible to try to convince, you know, a fan base, players, the organization, that they're making the right pick. But at the end of the day, there's a huge amount of error that goes into it that you just can't predict. There's dudes like Jamarcus Russell, where he checks almost every single box until you get to that whole gets addicted to codeine box. But <laughs> he checks that one too. Yes. He checks the uh, cop syrup box yes. as well. And so you, there's things that you just... Won't be able to plan with certain players the the great unknowns. I mean Tom Brady's another case You take him all the way at the bottom of the draft and there were a bunch of unknowns about him, but mm, There's enough of a risk reward there I think that's what it is with the SEC is that you look at a bunch of guys that went to top-notch programs that had all the Resources to get better during that time and they also check out on film So really at the end of the day you go. Okay, if that's where all the talent is That's where I'm gonna go well, yeah, and then the other thing
3: is it, it's the same thing that you see in high school recruiting where all of a sudden there's a bunch of five stars coming out of Texas and Florida and Alabama and Georgia, and you go, well, why is there such a concentration around there? It's a lot easier to evaluate players when they're playing against other Division One football players, and it's a lot easier to evaluate an NFL talent when they're playing against a bunch of NFL talent. You have quarterbacks that are throwing to NFL wide receivers and being you know, uh, playing behind an NFL offensive line and they're playing against an NFL defensive line. It's pretty easy to evaluate there. And it's, it's funny. The thing that I heard that amused me the most about this is Kirby smart said that he's talking to recruits and hearing that the pitch against the sec is, I mean, you don't want to go there. You can get beat up. (laughs) So Kirby Smart came out. He didn't say what schools were saying this, but the sales pitch now against the SEC is, well, you don't want to go out there and have somebody tackle you, do you? Yeah, you kind of do, man. It is a straight line into the NFL. Uh, The other record that we saw fall was the number of wide receivers taken in the first two rounds. Mm. So you mentioned in the Aaron Rodgers conversation that going out and getting a wide receiver is not game changing but you also brought up the idea that Jerry Jones just couldn't get past CD lamb and decide not to take a wide receiver when it's not a position of need again not game
1: changing very few receivers that get selected are purely game changing the only one I can think of that comes to mind that a team traded up for putting a lot of assets out there was Julio Jones yeah. So here's my question.
3: Is this more a matter of the way that we're seeing football change, or are we actually seeing more talent from wide receivers coming out of college where the quarterbacks are getting more time, you're throwing the ball more and more every year. So the weapon, the position and the weapons at that position would have been increased in value regardless. Or are we seeing more freak athletes playing wide receiver in college than ever?
1: No, not really. I mean, I I think it's, it's the, it's the former. It's that, you know, the nfl is a complete passing league now even though you have a team like the san francisco 49ers that are starting to show that you can play football like you know they did back in the 80s and the 90s um you know and the patriots have kind of started to do that as well as tom brady's arm started to wane but like i I think it's more a reaction to look if these guys are super athletic and talented in their rookie seasons and through their rookie contracts and i don't really have to pay them a lot of money and historically, I wouldn't really even have to pay them that much money uh, relatively, uh, even if they became really, really good. Because as a position group, still, they don't make the most money. Um, you know, why not take a chance on it? I, I think the issue, though, is that you don't want to pick them too high when really <laughs> that's not a need. And that's kind of where Jerry Jones fell with CeeDee Lamb, is that, you know, you're receiving cores fine. Everything's good there. You know, maybe you want your defense to be a little bit better. Yeah, Yeah, but you have Amari Cooper
3: and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, There's still only one football.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you have, uh, you know, uh, you have have Elliott, you know, out of the backfield to throw to. And, you know, by the way, you also have an offense that Kellen Moore is designed to be more play action than air it out. And, oh, yeah, you also have a quarterback who you don't really think much of because you didn't pay him that much money to not be able to throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb. And this is going back to my whole thing of like, look, it really doesn't matter what talent you got around the quarterback. If they're exceedingly average, they're not going to get the ball to the guy.
3: Well, here's here's where I sit. It's, I think the answer lies somewhere in between kind of what you're seeing with the talent from these wide receivers. And maybe it's not the talent, but the passing game is is a lot more prevalent in college football, especially the SEC, where, Mm. you know, I mean, look what Joe Burrow did last year, throwing a million touchdowns and zero interceptions and just making all of his wide receivers, you know, jump up draft boards because you have so many highlights from it. There are two positions when you draft them and you go through the highlight reel that captivate me, quarterbacks, and wide receivers because you get to see these guys making big plays. And it's not just them going up over the top and making big catches in the back of the end zone. It's the catch and run. You catch the ball in the middle of the field. You spin off a few guys, you get a couple highlight reel worthy plays. And I think it makes guys like Jerry Jones, just look at him and go, I got to take this guy because it's so compelling. And then you have the fact that you are you're increasingly getting more passing game in the NFL as well I think just those two factors it just makes it so appealing and it makes it entertaining as a viewer for me but I think I think it's kind of a combination of both I've got one more statistic from the draft that I thought was really fascinating that we saw uh, in round one Tua teloa was taken did you find the mispronunciation I from Goodell
1: you Mike's drop page is a mess. It's totally. It's is. Um,
3: so Tua is taken with the fifth pick overall. He goes to the Miami dolphins. He is the last position that Nick Saban needed in his collection at, at, for a first round pick to complete the set. He now has one player at least from every single position on the field drafted in the first round in his tenure at Alabama quarterback was the last player that he needed to complete at 11 and 11. He could play football entirely with first round picks from Alabama.
1: So That's he amazing. should just make a flyer out of that and mail it to recruits. Right? Yeah. Dude, pick a position. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go to the NFL? Boom. You want to be a first round
3: pick? Boom. Dude, his job, his job, not saying that he hasn't earned the status that he has just keeps getting easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, in that respect, the amount of work that he puts in and just winning, it's just, I mean, yeah, but every year,
3: every year too, it's like, Hey, Steve Sarkisian, I know that you and that flame out and drinking problem and popping pills uh, at USC. How would you like to come out and just be a coordinator or i I'm sorry, a consultant for our team. You just kind of hang out. You don't really have a job, but just hang out and just input your football wisdom into the thing until you can, you know, parlay that into a job you have you know, uh, head coaches that coach for Florida International and you go, hey, listen, Mario Cristobal, I know you did really well at Florida International considering the environment that you're in, but you're not going to get a great job unless you come here and, and join my incubator for a couple years and then go and get a, a big primetime head coaching job. And guys are willing to do that because not only are college coaches leaving the Alabama system and going to coordinator jobs in the NFL, head coaching jobs around college football. But now he's got every single position drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Congratulations, Nick Saban. Your job just keeps getting easier.
1: Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, um, (laughs) Jake Faram is still on the board as James Morgan from FIU has just been drafted.
3: (laughs) How about that? I talked to quarterbacks and... FIU right there?
1: Um, yeah. So, Jake, that whatever Jake Fromm's uh, agent, whatever advice he was given, uh, <laughs> starting to look hurt. very bad.
3: When the evaluation uh, of your draft stock is, well, he's not the most talented guy, but he sure won a lot at that team that had all those really good players. I don't think that is... I don't think that's the evaluation you're hoping for. I think you might be right about the agent.
1: Well, and not only that, but kind of, you know, projecting ahead. I know it's difficult to project talent, but, you know, if you project to the next year, who, who are you up against? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. That's it. After bad. that, Jake you're up. probably the next quarterback taken <laughs> instead of Tua, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Yeah. You Jordan that, Love now.
3: You think that guy has a hard time at uh, the Georgia campus uh, <clears throat> making new friends? Oh, no.
1: He should have just stayed for a seat. He should have Matt weiner it. <laughs> just live up the senior year. Yeah.
3: And then be like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to go play in the NFL now. So we've got that going for it.
1: Uh, all right. Let's talk some last
3: dance. We'll get back into football before what to watch. But let's talk uh, a little basketball. We've uh, had an opportunity to go back and see... The first two episodes of The Last Dance, a 10-part documentary that is uh, chronicling the final season of Jordan with the Bulls. They're going back into history all the way back to high school, uh, growing up in North Carolina, college. It's got a little bit of everything. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, we'll discuss that next. You listen to The Sin of the Saint on 1080, The Fan. Well, Did you see well, you the breaking news? Wow! give me just a second. Oh, so it's not breaking? No. Oh. It's breaking. Oh. Didn't know if you saw it. 55305 is the better, is the uh, fan text line. And that's my better source of uh, keeping up on this than you, which is disappointing. Okay. Um, But I need to
1: find. Some smart people on that text line.
3: Well, and they're, you know, they're not busy doing a radio show. They're just sitting there uh, waiting for their updates on their phones to ping them. Where is that? There. Oh, there it is. All right, breaking news on the fan. It's brought to you by Dell Technology Small Business uh, Podference Podcast Series launching uh, May 1st on Radio.com. Podference Podcast. Okay. So that that's happening. Uh, it looks like the Redskins have traded offensive tackle Trent Williams to the 49ers for draft picks. That's it? That's a big move. They get offensive tackle help. And let's see, Redskins get a fifth-round pick in this year's NFL draft and a third-round pick in next year's. So that affects this draft and next
1: year's football. I got some breaking news. Do you? The Texans just drafted a guy named Charlie Heck.
3: <laughs> you forgot to do the, uh, the the sponsored tagline for Charlie oh, Heck. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Heck. For Charlie Heck? Yeah. Fact. I don't know. Does that mean, I? you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, I mentioned the Texans just because it was funny watching Bill O'Brien on that camera. Yeah, have you seen that? Bill O'Brien. Uh, he's on. Um, he he's been on. You know the the little live cams. Yeah, and he is just pissed at this <laughs> whole setup. Like there was a couple scenes of him like trying to work his computer and try. It looked like he, something was trying to load and it just wasn't. Yeah. And he was just like freaking furious like pumping his fist and everything and i saw a bunch of uh comments on uh bleacher report of people like it doesn't matter he's gonna f the pickup anyway who cares <laughs> which is very very yeah, true it, it would probably be better if they just auto picked to be have, quite honest have
3: you found certain teams and uh coaches more likable because of
1: this process uh bill belichick <laughs> dog thing was awesome dude <laughs> i it like was brian so great. flores i like brian flores too that the dolphins
3: look like they're actually having fun they get to pick every other pick during the draft so it's probably is more fun for them sure but Vrabel looks miserable
1: yeah <laughs> and all Vrabel's the, pissed that
3: his kids are ruining it yeah you all the wacky stuff going on behind him and but yeah he looked angry uh the 49ers bugged me because it was just like all right, kids, come in and just kind of hang out. It's like, if you're going to have your kids come in, do something entertaining. But I like the Dolphins. I thought I've enjoyed the way they do it. Uh, and then uh, Bruce Arians just hanging out on his patio, kicked back. Looks like he's like, yeah, dude, whatever happens. I'm still Bruce Arians. And yeah. It's good to be Bruce Arians.
1: Yeah, I got Tom Brady. I'm good. Yeah, it is uh, very good. I do want to uh,
3: correct a, a listener on the fan text line. Uh, no, Nick Saban has not had a punter or kicker, he has uh, 11 offensive players. All 11 offensive positions, all 11 primary defensive positions selected in the first round. He does not have the specialist, but if you know Nick Saban, he's probably gone. Now he's got to find that kicker that somebody's going to go and take, spend a first round draft pick on. Going to get a punter up there.
1: Got does Aguayo have a... Uh, Roberto Aguayo have a brother or something he could... <laughs> Was he drafted in the first round or second yes. round? No, first round. Really? By the Bucs, yeah. I thought he was second round. But. No, dude. He was a first round draft pick. Roberto, just- wow, that's why it was such a spectacular explosion. It was the fact he was drafted in the first round compiled with, like, statistically he was one of the greatest kickers in college football history. Yes, I remember it's that. not the. Yeah. Yep.
3: And then he goes to the box and.
1: Yeah, first round, box Jeez. Yeah, dude. And now that guy, I have no idea where he is. We well, went to Chicago and Chicago
3: fires all of their kickers, so he didn't last second second round, 59th pick overall. Oh, I
0: thought
1: he was first. No,
3: that would have been. I would have remembered that. Yeah, 59th pick overall, but still. Not good. No. All right. Um probably made some good money though. <laughs> which is great for him. Yeah. Which is pretty nice. Did he but did he make that good of money? Because then you spend all the money, because he probably made, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I think uh, he
1: made probably over a million dollars. Okay. In the
3: in the first year, then he gets cut, then he spends that money to go. Those millions tick away pretty quick.
1: I mean, you chase, if you're you keep irresponsible chasing. with your money, if I know kickers, they're pretty <laughs> responsible with their money.
3: You know who's going to be responsible with his money? Uh, Blankenship, the kid from uh, Goggles down in uh, oh, Georgia. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. Or, oh, yeah. Or Jet Toner from uh, Stanford.
1: Well, he'll... He'll blow it all on a printer. Oh, uh, did
3: you see that, uh, the Patriots got, uh, Antonio Winfield jr. And his dad intercepted Tom Brady at one point. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that was one of the stories I really liked from the draft. I'm going to save the, uh, the last dance talk till after the uh, sports center update. So I'm just going to give you my other things from the NFL draft that I really loved. Um, did you happen to catch the pick uh, in the second round that the Chiefs made for one Willie Gay? No. <clears throat> so I'm just going to go ahead and find the graphic here because um, I've saved it to my computer. So Is it Chiefs get gay? Willie Gay, <laughs> Willie gay Jr. is drafted, uh, and the ESPN immediately puts up the graphic that gives you the insight to who this guy was. He was uh, really gay. I didn't, there's another one. There's a kid from LSU that I'll have to find. This one I actually found on here. No, it goes, Willie Gay just drafted uh, by the Chiefs. All right, here's his list of his off-field issues. Suspended eight games by the NCAA for a- academic violations. Nine other uh, Mississippi State players also suspended. Injured Mississippi State quarterback Jared Schrader in a, in a practice uh, in-practice fight before the Music City Bowl. Those are the two stats they put up for him in the first graphic after he's drafted. Congratulations, Willie Gay Jr. You were drafted in the second round of the NFL draft, and you're going to play for the Super Bowl champs. Here's your off-field issues, the first graphic that they put up. They did the same thing with a kid from LSU, and I cannot for the life of me figure out who it was. I can't find the graphic on here because I want to read it exactly. Yeah. But
1: ESPN just crapping on a guy right after he gets drafted. Good job. Yeah, why not? If that's what you're known for. That what do you think? What do you think Vontez Burfix draft profile was? Position, combine statue. You can put this up. The first thing you put up. What about the guy from Oklahoma? What was his name? The running back. Uh, Mixon. Joe yeah, Mixon. Mixon. You think the first thing Joe Mixon had up on his uh, draft profile on ESPN was here's how many yards? No. Uh, yeah. recently <laughs> revealed tape of him hitting a woman. <laughs> and they show the video. Yes. I'm sure they did. So that's
3: what you're supposed to do, though. The the academic this is academic violation. Getting in an in practice fight, little different than uh, kOing a woman in a what was it a Hardee's or something on it's a bar. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was like a, it was like a quick serve restaurant. Oh, was it? Yes.
1: Yeah. Um. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's what you're known for in the draft. I mean, honestly, that's the kind of stuff that can ruin your career as a draft pick. Laramie Tunsil. Yes, but what did Larry? The gas mask.
3: I understand
1: that. Every single time you talk about Laramie Tunsil, I literally don't even care that he's the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. That's not, that is like, that is 1,000 miles away from the first thing I think. I think the marijuana gas mask every time. As you should. Every time. As you should. There's not a video of this
0: guy's
3: academic violations or getting an in practice fight. How many fights were there when you played college football? How many in practice fights were there?
1: Probably five.
3: Okay. And is that how you remember all of those guys as the guy that got into those fights? Uh no, but those guys didn't get drafted. Sure. But do you think that would be the first thing on they got in an in practice fight? Suk was saying that he got in practice like he'd get in fights in practice just to skip conditioning drills. He was always fighting in practice. I just I don't think those two things, academic violations mm. and in-practice fights, are on the same level as a as a Gas Max hotbox video that comes out right before the draft and slugging a woman at Arby's.
1: What what position did the guy play again? Played uh I don't even know. It doesn't even say on the graphic. Come on, you can look it up. I'm looking it up.
3: Well, I think he's a linebacker, inside linebacker, is my guess. But I'm gonna wait, pulling it up. Uh, yeah, linebacker. The linebacker, Starkville, Mississippi. When I type in when I type in Google for him, it goes NFL combine stats. If you type in Larry Tunstall the day of the draft, yeah, it would not say combine stats. If you pulled up Joe Mixon that day, it would not say combine stats. The headline on any of these things is not that the guy had academic
1: violations. Just feels a little bit. How many tackles did he have? You want me to pull him up? Well, obviously he wasn't that impressive. <laughs> He's drafted in the second round.
3: He must have been somewhat impressive. Uh, even oh, really? with those academic oh, violations. Oh, this is the first time in- a guy's <laughs>
1: been drafted who's not very impressive in the first two rounds of the draft. What's the worst thing that you did when you were
3: in college? And would you want that to be the headline? We should probably
1: get to the next (laughs) segment. Okay. We're way over clock. We got to go. We'll talk last dance
3: after this. The other player that I was trying to think of uh, was Christian Fulton from LSU. Where he gets drafted and immediately they go... Oh, yeah, this guy was suspended eight games for trying to trade uh, his PED test with another player in 2017. And it was like the first thing that they said. I get that you mention it in the draft analysis, but he didn't play for, you know, the national champions last year. But they immediately go to, oh, yeah, 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 he was suspended eight games early in his career for tampering with his P test.
1: That's what it's about, man. <laughs> it's a, you got to weigh the negatives with the positives. I get, but it's the headline. The, and you just, you go, all right, like. I'm way more interested in his P test than I would be in whatever ancillary stats there are about that. You know, this also also brings the point of like, you know, I, I think the reason they mention these kinds of things is because at the end of the day, once you get drafted in the NFL, all the crap you did in college, like statistically, really doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because it doesn't really say much about you as a player until you have to start competing against dudes that are adults, adult grown men. What does still stay with you and speaks with you is your character, and that's going to transfer over. And dudes that get into fights at practice and swap pee with other bros, that kind of stuff seems to kind of linger with people. You know, Jameis Winston, that stuff kind of seemed to linger with him as he went into the league. But
3: in fairness to Christian Fulton, this was when he was a freshman, and if you had a dirty sample, you would want to trade it with a player that didn't
1: too. I mean, yes, of course. We all know that. Also, uh, I just saw that the Philadelphia Eagles apparently drafted uh, uh, two dudes named Jalen in consecutive rounds. There you go. Just kind of funny.
3: Would you you consider that if you're drafting, you're looking at the NFL draft board and you're going, we already have three Jalens on the team. I want a fourth. And we get another one. And then is that too many Jalens? Like at what point do
1: you have too many guys? (laughs) I think when you run out of like either nicknames or like little things you can tack on, you're Be- Jalen A. Yeah, but better
3: to have five guys named Jalen or five guys named Smith. Jalen. Yeah, right? Because the back of the jersey, I mean, you just call the guy by his last you're name. You're Jalen. You're Jay. Yeah. You're Jimmy Jams. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Jams. How many, how you're many, JJ, how many NFL coaches, how many, well, I'll just ask you because you played college football. How many of your college football coaches called you Will? A lot. How many have called how many of them called you Darkens? Mm. Uh, more often. See, I, I don't remember any of my high school coaches calling me by my first name.
1: Uh yeah, I think it's dependent upon what I don't know what program you're in. Yeah. I also don't wanna like sound like I was a huge BA in high school, but like I think a lot of the times also when you're really good, and this was more the case for me in high school, is that they actually don't really call you by your name. They just assume that when they're talking to you. Annihilator. It's like, or, Annihilator! No, it's like a one-on-one Destroyer! conversation.
3: Well, yeah, it's uh, but you know what I'm saying? When you're having a conversation one-on-one, some it's very
1: different than... Yeah, I've they don't saying, even call you by name. They just assume that you're already locked in with them. Like, I, I remember yeah, that I a lot that, with but, Quiz. But, they never call a Quiz by name. The coach would literally just walk up to Quiz within like two feet and start talking to him personally.
3: What I'm saying is when you're yelling at a drill, I think is the moment that I'm thinking of. Yes, I get, I get that in conversation. You'd be like, all right, Oh, let's dude, see, well. if you screw up in a
1: drill, you know who they're yelling at. <laughs> yeah, hey, but it's, it's not, it's but not anybody's name. It's a dumbass.
3: Nobody's saying Jalen when the drill gets screwed up in the NFL is my guess. My guess is everybody is screaming at your last name
1: or whatever your terrible nickname is. They probably call Jalen Hurts uh, peepers because of his his eyebrows. Uh, Damn it, peepers. Who's got worse eyebrows,
3: uh, Jalen Hurts or Trey Wingo? Oh, Jalen Hurts easy. Dude,
1: Wingo's looking old. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean he's been around a while, but he like I, I, I actually thought that too that like, it's like somebody needs to trim those up. He's gotten the he's getting the yeah. bushy
3: old man eyebrows on that long face. He's starting to look
1: more and more like a Muppet character. I think it's also because for some reason Trey Wingo has this like <clears throat> really young affect to him. He does. I would agree with that. And we the wears, way he acts, the way he carries himself. I always think of Trey Wingo. Yeah, it's like a young guy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's got the he wears the Barry Melrose suit with tennis shoes. Yeah. And he doesn't wear it with he doesn't wear it with the same style that Melrose does. Where he's like he's like I just got out of like the the hockey mafia meeting and then they you know threw on my pinstripe suit. It was like Trey Wingo goes to the store and he's like I like those colors and then picks out that suit because of that. Yeah.
1: Somebody on the tech side also brings up a good point. Which is worse, five guys named Jalen or having ten tight ends on your roster like the That Bears. was the one I did not get to. Yet.
3: Ten tight ends. They, they're like, listen. It's not Mitchell Trubisky's fault. He just didn't have enough tight ends last year. Everybody needs a safety valve. If they just come out in goal line all the time and line up three, four tight ends, that'd be awesome. Yeah, why, why not? not? That's what I'm asking you. How That would be awesome. I would love to watch that. At least you're trying something different. Probably couldn't run the ball. Why not? You have <laughs> well, well, They're probably not
1: that. that great at run blocking. <laughs> why not? You have 10 of them. At least four of them have to be good at run blocking. Well, but you got to put somebody on the interior and... I don't think tight ends are very good at blocking defensive tackles. Well, yeah, but like usually you tight ends, a, you want to like let them chip a D end and then go off onto a linebacker. I like even having even having tight ends go one on one with D ends is dicey. You There's still only ever, like a few that can do it. You still it. have a tackle in there, and you have two tight ends on each side. You have double tights.
3: Yeah, and you put one of them at fullback. Mm. Put them all in motion. Get all three of them on one side. Run behind them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I'm looking forward to some Bears football this year. It's gonna be awesome. All right, let's talk last dance in what to watch. Why not? It's a better fit for it anyways. We'll just have to cut out uh, your update on, uh, what is it called? Too hot to handle? Too hot to
1: handle. Uh, you're, you're too I'll hot tell to you handle. what's too hot to handle. Well, I'll tell
3: you. Your update's going to get cut into by last dance. Sorry, man. NFL draft took over this show. All right, we'll talk uh, We'll talk television. We'll talk last dance. We'll talk what to watch next. Right here, Center and Sink,
2: 1080 The Fan. Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel, avid television viewer, Will Darkins, and increasingly out of touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson, are here to tell you what to watch. Literally, it's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint. On 1080, the fan.
3: Last dance. Did you watch it? Yeah. And? Great. Great? Yeah.
1: You don't think Michael Jordan's a little
3: full of himself?
1: Oh, oh yeah. Michael. I just found that out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're telling me he's an egomaniacal jerk?
3: Uh, Michael Jordan does not look good. It was funny. My wife walked into the room. Uh, the biggest point of conversation is she goes, he looks terrible. Eyes all bloodshot, fat old face. She's just like, he does not look good. And then they keep showing pictures of young Michael Jordan next to him. Just killing a stogie. <laughs> is <laughs> waiting for me to get like the Captain Hook double Stogie like uh, holder. It's like yeah, he smoke two Dustin at a time. Playing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think he has it in the cartoon as well. I think that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah the, the old double Stogie. Well, you have to remember that uh, the, the uh, if you go back and watch Peter Pan with the kids, it's not quite as PC. as <laughs> You might have remembered. But uh, yeah, so anything, anything that was unexpected from Last Dance uh, when you were watching it. How much of it actually surprised you or was it kind of what you expected?
1: Uh, I mean, it was what I expected for the first episode. And I don't wanna say something surprised me because I don't think we're gonna get very many surprises. If you were a kid who grew up in the 90s who loved the NBA, you pretty much know what you're getting this is just an awesome walk down memory road now some of the footage that they had from france was pretty cool yes. just seeing mj being so dismissive with a lot of the rookies but i think the one thing that was um a kind of eye-opening to me and maybe some people knew more about this than i did obviously they did but that um scotty pippen was in such dire straits yeah that like he grew up in such a massive family with two family members in wheelchairs and that mm-hmm. you know that kind of inf- 12 kids yeah, yeah that that really informed his decision about um you know taking that contract early getting the money and banking mm-hmm. it and yep. trying to take care of people and that, that's something i really hadn't been too aware of until then yeah i will say the one thing
3: as it, reg- as it relates to jordan that surprised me more than anything was his immediate impact on the game. Mm. And cause we know, like you said, if you grew up in the nineties, you know that Jordan was the best. There was very little debate that when he came on the scene, people were like, Oh, this dude is awesome and he immediately became one of the best players if not the best player in the NBA and started grabbing that attention and i remember it but i was i mean just a tiny kid when jordan was a rookie so i don't remember any of that but i remember knowing who michael jordan was before i knew what the NBA was and and how big of a superstar he was but you t- you see the clips of of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson talking about him as a rookie, going, "Oh my God!" Mm. and the 63-point game. I always knew about that, but then you hear the way the the reverence and the way that they talked about him uh, from the Celtics side, because that Celtics team was awesome. and And one yeah. of the stats that we always remember is, is that Jordan never beat the Celtics in a playoff series when they had Larry Bird. And so you just kind of look back, but it was like he was a one. Man, show the Bulls traveling cocaine circus uh, was one thing, but they just weren't a very good basketball team. And Jordan came in, and the fact that they were getting outdrawn by the indoor soccer team of the same era in Chicago in those years—they kind of went through that. Oh yeah, everybody loved the Bears or the Cubs. Uh, Southsiders loved the White Sox. There was, you know, a tons of followers for the the Blackhawks around the city. But the Bulls were being outdrawn by the indoor soccer team, the Chicago Sting, before Jordan got there. That was the thing that really got me, is how quickly he took the world by storm.
1: I think also I had a new, and this will probably be an unpopular opinion, a new appreciation for Jerry Krause. (laughs) Okay. I kind of did, because though I understand that, you know, fan-wise. They made him a villain very much in the first two episodes. Yeah. But they also had a silver lining in that very early on, Kraus was kind of an innovator when it came to building personnel and rosters, that he understood shelf life of players Mm -hmm. and knew when and when not to move on. And I hate to throw this back to, like, our conversation about the Packers, but... (laughs) I mean, there is a point when you have to understand, like, look, you've overstayed your welcome. We need to move on as a franchise and give ourselves a better chance going into the future. Eli Manning is a very good example of letting somebody stay too long.
3: Yes, but the Bulls have never recovered from the, that last championship either, though. So they they did not. It, his plan was to to rebuild that roster and they never got to see that through that team was something special. Somebody on the fan text line says they can't wait to see the Rodman part of this documentary. I thought it was cool how they did go into the the team as much as they did jordan and, and like you said the pippin stuff in well, episode two was really
1: good and that's kind of how i thought that they would plan it out that the first episode would be jordan second episode focused a little on pippin i'm sure the third will be uh pretty rodman centric and then the fourth they'll probably go into phil jackson or something yeah. and then after that you know it's nine right a ten ten, a ten total episodes, so they'll have so two more maybe, episodes yeah maybe the yeah. last one they'll just go over like you know, they'll just go over some of the other guys like Kerr and Harper and Longley and Kukoc. Well, and you can, those.
3: you can, yeah, you can bunch a bunch of yeah. guys together. But
1: then I think the last five episodes, what you'll see is that like, you'll see the inner turmoil of each game of that final sure. series, because really this whole documentary isn't really about that year. In my opinion, I, I think it's about the playoffs and the, the, the NBA title game. Yeah. that was, the best, in my opinion, in my lifetime, the best NBA's final series I've ever seen in my life against yeah. the Jazz.
3: Well, and and the part of it was they have all this footage from that final season, so you're going to get more and more access, and I had no idea that they dubbed it The Last Dance prior to the season. That was a surprise to me. Oh, really? that, that,
1: Yeah, that Phil Jackson had that. Dude, what you need to do is go on YouTube and look up uh, Instapa Bulls. Yeah. Um, it's the Chicago Bulls-produced... Uh, year in review. Okay. And they have one for every single NBA title year. They're great. And yeah. I I watched that one and that's what they talked about. They didn't go into detail about why they called it the last yeah, dance, but exactly. uh, they had Phil Jackson talking about saying, yeah, and I put it on the cover of their, uh, you know, wild. of their season sheet. Yeah,
3: totally wild. And apparently uh, we're getting news that there was a uh, uh, Documentary, documentary crew and a ton of uh, footage from Kobe's uh, final yes. season with the Lakers as well. That, that came out this morning. Uh, are you still watching too hot to handle?
1: I quit after the second episode. Ah,
3: You were so jazzed about it. I last was week. jazzed.
1: you jazzed. It let you down. So again, if you weren't here last week, uh, too hot to <laughs> handle is the new Netflix reality show where they put a bunch of hot, stupid people on an Island and tell them they can't have sex unless they want to give up a hundred grand. Yeah. and.
3: And pretty, I mean, pretty they're terrible. really hot,
1: but then after the second episode, you kind of like, you're like, okay, I'm not going to see any nudity here. I'm, I need to move on. I'm out. Yeah, this is not worth,
3: the juice is not worth the squeeze. And then you typed in nudity into <laughs> your phone and it just, Popped yeah. right up on the screen. Yeah, I was like, oh, sweet. Look at
1: that. I didn't know you could do this. Uh, look at
3: how did that work?
1: Unbelievable. I was told that you could find naked people on the <laughs> internet, though I never believed it until now. Yep,
3: yep. They'll get you statues
1: and old-time fa-
3: paintings and stuff. I, I've also heard that there's modern nudity on there, but I haven't yet to search it. Oh, um,
1: that's next-level stuff.
3: Next-level stuff. I'm not ready for that. Um, what What are you watching this week? Uh- if, you're, if you're not watching hot to handle what are you watching
1: oh i watched the first episode on netflix of that um of that uh limited series waco oh about uh koresh david koresh um disappointing yeah uh you know koresh as interesting as the whole Waco thing is, Crush's life really was just kind of like sad yeah. and not that interesting. <laughs> and I, mean, I hate to laugh about it, but like, you know, he had a, he had a really effed up dad and, you know, mother that was a drifter and he just kind of went through foster home to foster home. The one thing I didn't know about David Crush was that he had learning disabilities and dyslexia. Hmm. And really that kind of aided him in being able to focus so like precisely on uh the bible because apparently he like memorized the bible word for word Jeez. like david crush knew the bible huh. front to back crazy kind of weird
3: uh i started watching silicon valley on hbo i'd never watched that series it's really <laughs> It's really entertaining to start. And, it's funny. And uh, and really good performances. Like There's a lot of guys that you know in there uh, that have done things after and, and around that. Uh, but yeah, really funny, really entertaining. Uh, Silicon Valley, if you haven't seen it on HBO. Uh, hey, after this, you're going to be able to listen to the OSN classic Oregon-Stanford 2011 uh, football game on ESPN uh, 910. You can listen to uh, the scoring
1: the- in Silicon Valley. Hanging, what, 50, 56 up on it? The World Series, uh, New York Mets,
3: uh, Kansas City Royals, 2015, game one at 5 p.m. Tomorrow you got uh, Oregon versus Stanford, 20. 20 Pac-12 Women's Tournament Championship Game, and then you have the 2014 NFC Championship Game, uh, Niners Seahawks uh, tomorrow at one o'clock right here yeah, on the Fan.
1: That's a good one. Too. And
3: then the Flu Game tomorrow night, ESPN, nine ten ESPN uh, at two p.m. So there's a lot of good classic sports to listen to. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. We are done.
2: Bye bye.